I am Pastor Sandy. I am the children's pastor here at Linwood, and it's always an honor when I get to come preach in the big kids' church. We are in the Life First series, and this week I will walk with you through a significant Life First that has been key in much of my story. Now, when I first was preparing this, my intention was just to do Romans 5, 3 through 5. But as I was preparing this, there's a beautiful thing that happens when you prepare a message. The Holy Spirit steps in and says, I have a different plan. And it's a beautiful interaction to have. So we're actually going to be doing Romans 5, 1 through 5. Now, I think that at different seasons in our lives, we have life verses that God gives us to add to our spiritual toolbox. These verses are scripture that God speaks to us in an extraordinary way as if they were written just for us. Pastor Mark encouraged us before he went on his sabbatical to share our life verses. And if you haven't done that already, this week I encourage you to do so. And if you're not sure what your life verse is, I would ask you to just pray. Perhaps maybe take some quiet time and think about verses that come to your heart that almost... You know, there's times that something happens and you're like, oh, where did that come from? Those are strategic. And the Holy Spirit gives us those to lean on. So I would encourage you to explore those, week, those this week and share them. Because our life verses tend to be attached to a story or a season in our life. And we have no idea who needs to hear the good that God has done for us through that season. We have no idea how powerful our own testimony is to others. So today we're going to look at three key areas. We're going to look at what it looks like to rejoice in our suffering. That almost sounds kind of funny to say, because it doesn't sound like we rejoice much in that. Perseverance in suffering, and lastly, hope in suffering. Now, Paul wrote this letter, Romans, to the church of Rome because he had heard good things about the church. He was anticipating going to visit there. He was especially speaking about their faith and how strong it was. Romans 1.8, Paul says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is being reported all over the world. Paul was praising God for what was happening in that church and that their faith was an example to others in the world of unbelievers. Now I have to wonder, what would a letter to the church look like now? Would we still be known for that same faith? So we're going to go into Romans chapter 5, and we're going to actually start... With, we're going to go into verses 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, it's important that we understand that we actually have a two-sided reality as followers of Christ. On one hand, we are complete in Christ. We're declared righteous and fully 
accepted by him. On the other hand, we are being sanctified by God daily and growing in Christ to be more like him. We feel both the presence of the Lord and the pressure of sin in our world. We enjoy the peace that comes from being made right with God, but we still face problems. And the peace that's referenced in verses 1 and 2 differs from the feelings of tranquility and calm that we think of when we hear the word peace. Paul's, the peace that Paul was speaking of means that we have been reconciled to God. There is no more hostility that's keeping us from a relationship with God. Sin no longer blocks us from a relationship with God. The peace or this reconciliation is only possible because Jesus paid the price of our sins through his death on the cross. And hope comes from his resurrection. We have been restored to God's grace not by anything that we have done or could possibly do, but because Jesus paid it all by his perfect love, by his perfect plan, And we were justified by his blood. Now I teach this to kids. I teach what what it means for what Jesus died on the cross. And when we say he takes on our sins and, and explain it to him in a way that they understand. But there's something really important that I also tell them. We don't have permission to go do whatever we want. There is, there is free will, but we are also held accountable. And there are consequences for the things that we choose. Now, when we look at verse 1, it says we have been justified by faith. In verse 2, it states we have gained access by faith. Now, these are really important. Because in verse 9, it speaks of being justified by his blood. Being justified by his blood is the reconciliation that actually took place for Jesus dying on the cross and taking our sins. Justified by faith is a peace with God that comes when we turn to Jesus and we give our lives over to him. When we follow him, we put our trust in him. To become a Christ follower, we have to admit that we sin. We're called to repent. Now, I also teach the kids about repenting, and and kids actually have a great example of what it looks like with what repentance can look like. Because the first thing we do is we teach kids to say, I'm sorry, when they do something, right? And so maybe little Billy comes over and he hit his friend. And so what do we tell him? We tell him to say, I'm sorry. And he stomps over and puts his head down and says, I'm sorry. And then five minutes later, we hear the squeal from his friend because he did it again. He wasn't really sorry. Or maybe in that moment he was. What repentance looks like is that we come before God, we bow down before him, we tell him, I have sinned, I take ownership for that, I am sorry for that. 
And then we make a choice. We make a choice to not live that life anymore. We make a choice to walk away from that sin. Sometimes that means we walk away from people in our lives that we just can't not sin with. We make a choice. We are not just absolute of everything by standing before God and, and, and repenting. We have to make a choice, and that is full repentance. And the fact is, we're going to sin again. We're fallen people. But we have to be willing to come before God. And we have to be willing to give that to him. Because when we, when we sin, the Holy Spirit does this little thing called conviction. When I teach kids about conviction, I teach them about that little sick feeling we get in our tummy after we've done something wrong. Now, conviction is of God. It is, a, it, is, it is given to us by the Holy Spirit. Condemnation is Satan. And don't believe for a moment that if we have unresolved issues that we have not taken to God and we had not have repented of, Satan's going to use that. He's going to use that and he's going to shame He's going to try to keep us from trusting in God because we're going to feel like we're not worthy. He's going to take those things that have happened to us over our lifetime and he's going to use those in that moment to tell us, you know what, you're not good enough to be a child of God. Why do you even think you can come to him? Those are lies. And we have to be willing to see them for what they are. So it's important. Repentance is important. We also have to come and we have to declare that Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. Not social media, not politics. Jesus. Jesus is your Lord and Savior, and He is the one that we put our hope in. He is the one that we follow, He is the one that we focus on. We're going to go ahead and we're going to move to Romans 5 3 through 5. Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love in our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Paul has experienced as a Christ follower problems. He found himself persecuted on many occasions. He found himself imprisoned by nothing that he had done wrong. Peter and John found themselves threatened and harmed. And Jesus, he took on unimaginable persecution and pain in love for you and me. There is no such thing as a trouble-free life, even as a follower of Christ. So how do we rejoice in our suffering? We are not rejoicing in our pain or the suffering that we're experiencing because we're not going to. There's going to be a lot of big emotions that come in that. And God doesn't expect us to just be like, oh, we're good. In fact, he doesn't want us to act like that. Because when we, as Christians, have it in our mindset that we have to walk around and we have to act like nothing's wrong because, oh, God's got this. He does have it. 
But there are feelings that we have in here, and he wants us to take every single one of them to him. He wants us to lament. If you have not read Lamentations, I encourage you to do so. He wants us to bring those big feelings to him and just lay it before him. Whether we're mad, whether we're sad, whatever those feelings are. Because if we don't, if we are those Christians that walk around and be like, oh, nothing's wrong. There's two parts to that. The first one is we're not being very truthful. The second part is we are missing out on an opportunity, a beautiful opportunity to be a witness for what Jesus Christ can do in our life and our suffering. Because I guarantee you, if you are suffering, so is people around you. And they need to see how you walk through this trusting in the Lord. They need to see that. People, there are a lot of people out there right now that don't know Jesus. And if they can watch you walk through with trust, they can watch you with your focus on Jesus, they're going to want what you want have. They're going to want to understand what that is that you're holding on to when things are so hard. Something that makes me really sad is when as, as Christians we say, I don't want people to pray for me because there are a lot of other people out there that have it worse. Jesus wants you to bring your prayers to him. If we're saying, I'm not going to bring you my prayers, that's like saying we don't trust him. If we don't bring our prayer requests and ask other people to be praying for us, we're saying, you know what? I don't need to ask for that. There is power in prayer. So, if we're not rejoicing our circumstances, what are we rejoicing when we look at this passage? We are rejoicing in the knowledge and trust that a loving and faithful God is on the receiving end of our prayers. Romans 8.28 says, He is working all things out for the good of those who love him. We are rejoicing because no matter what happens in this temporary place, eternity is on that side. And we have that hope. So I want to I put this in a perspective when we talk about coming to God. I want you to think about a little kid that falls down. What's the first thing they do? Do they just, if they fall down off their bike, do they just get back up and keep pedaling? Probably not. They're going to go find a parent, and they're going to take their boo-boos, and they're going to go to somebody who can comfort them. God wants you to bring however big your boo-boos are to him. He wants to be the one that takes them on, and he wants to hear from you, and he wants to comfort you. He wants us to trust him in all things. So what does perseverance look like in our suffering? As we experience suffering and we trust that he is working all things out for our good, when we go through a trial trusting in God and we and. By doing so, we come out the other side and we begin to, to trust a little bit deeper. 
Because each experience that we have, we start to see that God brought us through that. So when the next one comes, we trust him in a little bit more. We don't focus on the world. We focus on him. The King James Version uses the word patience instead of the word perseverance in this passage. Other versions use the word endurance. Now, if we tell a child to be patient, generally we're telling them to just wait and be calm. Okay? Anyone who's ever been told to be patient, that's a lot easier said than done. Patience takes action. Perseverance takes action. We have to put our eyes on Jesus and we have to trust and we have to keep focused on him no matter what. There are going to be a lot of influences around us that are going to try to tell us differently. But we have to keep our eyes on him no matter what. And there's a beautiful thing that happens when we do that. Because God doesn't waste anything. God will use our trials and he will use our time of waiting and perseverance to start to change in us. To build that godly character that he wants for us. To make, him, make us more like him. Grief share is a beautiful example of that. As, and when people walk into grief share and they're sitting around the table on this, we just got done with a session of 40 people that just came through. They walk in and they're holding on to their hurt. And they're holding on to what's paining them. And when they walk out, they see that there's other people that are hurting. They see and develop respect for other people's grief journeys. And that it may not look just like ours, but it belongs to them and we're going to respect it. Those are the things that God does in us. He builds that character through those trials. He builds that character through that waiting so that we can become the Christians he wants us to be, that he designed us to be, that he created us to be. Job described in verse 23:10, but he knows the way that I take when he has tested me and I will come forth as gold. As I was preparing for this message, I came across a, a blog post that actually kind of put this all together beautifully. And it comes from Northern Seminary. Suffering does not rob Christians of their potential. Suffering plus perseverance gets them to their potential. Christians' character is not inherited. It's not taught. It doesn't even come through Bible study or prayer. Christian character comes through testing, walking the dark road of pain or hardship or persecution. What should not stay in our lives is burned away. What is needed for our lives grows stronger. God doesn't waste anything. As many of you know, seven years ago, my 21-year-old my took his life. And I'm going to tell you, I didn't feel like rejoicing anything. As a matter of fact, the night that I got the call, I remember falling on my knees, face down, saying, I can't do this. I remember walking through the days ahead and there were days I didn't want to get out of bed. There were days I didn't want to do anything. There were days I was not very lovable because I was angry. 
But as I held on and I kept my focus on Jesus, there was a beautiful thing that happened. And I get to share it now with our grief share participants. That I got to experience and I get to look back now and I get to see those days that life was really, really hard and I didn't feel like going forward. That Jesus carried me. And I get to share that with people. As a matter of fact, when, when people start in grief share their very first night, I tell them it's not always going to feel like this. I can't make it all better for them, but he can. And he can walk them through, and he can give them hope. So there was a, a passage, or a verse, actually, it's a, um, that I had shared when I preached a couple years ago, but it, it fell in pretty, um, it was fitting to this. And it was by Tim Keller, and he said, God sees us where we are, loves us where we are, and accepts us as we are, but by his grace, he does not leave us where we are. So what does hope look like when we are suffering? Verse 5, we're going to look at that again. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. As long as we follow Jesus, we will never walk alone. As long as we follow Jesus, he will never let us down. The world will, but he will not. God's great love to send Jesus to die on the cross for our sins is the same great love that sent the Holy Spirit to live in us and to guide us daily. The Holy Spirit pours out God's love on us in abundance, refreshing us when we're weary and sustaining us in our trials. Our bottom line today is we can rejoice in suffering because suffering can only produce good things in us if we are in Christ. So we've walked through a lot today in just five verses. But ultimately, it all begins with faith. Faith begins by making Jesus Christ the Lord of our lives. There is darkness in our world right now. Just a couple weeks ago, 19 children and two teachers left this earth. There is identity confusion. There is hopelessness. Suicide is on the rise. And addictions are as well. We have to reconnect in faith. And church, it's time to stand up and recommit to our faith. We've seen the comments on social media. I've seen them in the last couple weeks where we talk about that we need to turn back to God. Well, you know what? We do. And it has to start right here, and it has to start right here. 
How can we be a witness to a world that is hopeless and is confused in who they were created to be if we're not connected here? We need to get down on our knees and repent for our sins and we need to recommit to Jesus Christ that he is our Lord and Savior. Amen? That we trust in him with everything in us and everything that we go through. That we will follow him every day despite what the world throws at us. And we need to be a better witness to a lost world. Starting with our hearts. We need to be praying and asking him to show us where Satan has stepped in the way of us trusting him fully and completely. And I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship team to come up. So this morning, if you are able, I'm going to encourage you to come up to the altars. If you're not comfortable coming up to the altars or or it's difficult for you, I encourage you to turn your seat into an altar. If those of you at home, I encourage you, grab a chair, your couch, turn it into an altar. There is suffering going on all around us. People are hurting. Satan is attacking and he shows no mercy. He is a liar, he is a thief, and he preys on our doubts. And I'm going to tell you, as your children's pastor, he's attacking our kids. And we can't be okay with that. And we need to reconnect with him. And we need to get on our knees and we need to tell him, Lord, I am sorry. I am sorry for the things that I've done. We need to recommit to him that we will show our faith by trusting in him in all things. Because here's the thing. Thank you, Jesus, we have hope. And it's only found in him. So I encourage you to spend some time this morning reconnecting to the one who has already overcome darkness and the brokenness of this world let's pray holy father we come to you on our knees lord we thank you for the hope that we have in jesus christ we thank you for your faithfulness in our trials and we rejoice in knowing that we are not alone and that you are present in doing all things for the good of those who love you. Lord, I pray this morning that as the church, you would just move things out of the way. You would move the hesitations of our heart to not come forward and get on our knees because this is where it starts. We are where it starts. Lord, we love you. And all of this I pray in your precious and beautiful name. Amen.